American Capitalism, A History, with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist. So a perfect example of the way that the Roosevelt New Deal tries to enhance consumption, tries to expand investment to get the economy moving in the right, in the right direction again is the AAA, the Agricultural Adjustment Agency. One of the main policymakers behind the AAA was Rexford Tugwell, a Columbia University economist who said famously in about 1933, the cat is out of the bag, the jig is up, there is no invisible hand, and there never was. He believes, and he convinces Roosevelt to go along with this, that something has to be done to correct the way in which the incentives of individuals in, in the economy, and he's thinking particularly about the rural South, and this is where the AAA had its biggest effect. The incentives of individuals work against the overall health of the economy once the economy enters crisis. And in particular, you see this once cotton prices start to fall. Now, millions of Southern farmers in the late 1920s, early 1930s, millions of Southerners in rural areas, both white and black, are still tied to the cotton economy and to the price of cotton on the international market. Whether they are landowners, whether they are tenant farmers, sharecroppers, farm laborers, doesn't matter. They're all involved in it. And think about their individual uh, incentive. When that price starts to drop, you can see how what they do as individuals without any sort of regulation or government intervention is actually going to make their own situation worse. Because of course, as the price of cotton falls, the price per pound may be going from, let's say, 20 cents to 10 cents per, per pound. The farmer uh, who has his own debts or the tenant who has his own debts to pay and of course uh, his own other needs for money has the incentive to simply try to produce more cotton. But the more cotton he produces, and you multiply that by millions of actors in the farm economy, the more cotton there is on the overall market. And the price is already low, but this simply pushes it lower. So the farmer is simply making his own situation worse and the situation of the rural economy as a whole worse by reacting in this way. So what the AAA would do uh, would be to create another set of incentives. So for instance, for cotton farmers, what the AAA does is pays them money not to actually produce cotton. So in 1933, checks from the AAA start to appear in the mailboxes of cotton farming landowners. Now, it may be that policymakers thought that these landowners were going to take the money and split it up among the different people who were working their land, keeping some for themselves, but also distributing some to the sharecroppers and tenants and others who depended on the price of cotton but who were not going to be able to make any money off cotton because the land was getting plowed up. The land was getting plowed up to increase the overall price. But the landowners don't do that. Instead, by and large, they keep the money. And in fact, they use it to transform the cotton economy, buying tractors and other machines and mechanical innovations that are going to allow them to take most of the hand labor out of the cotton production process. Cotton will still need to be picked by hand, at least until the late 1940s, when new mechanical cotton pickers start to have an impact. But what this means is landowners can say to tenants and sharecroppers, hey, uh, we don't need you. Um, we'll simply hire a few people to plant our acres, 
We'll use tractors and other sorts of innovations to do so. We'll see you when the harvest time comes along and we'll hire you literally for about a dollar a day. Most of these folks cannot wait that long uh, and they have to find some other way to make a living. Many of them move. Uh, certainly many people have read uh, John Steinbeck's Grapes of Wrath, which talks about Oklahoma tenant farmers who have to leave because of the transformation of the cotton economy and they go to try to find work in California. An alternative might be, for instance, the, uh, the program for uh, crop, crop price support that is implemented in the tobacco economy, particularly in Virginia and North Carolina, where the Department of Agriculture essentially takes a census of all the tobacco farmers and gives each one, whether landowner or tenant, an allotment, a certain number of acres that can be planted in, in tobacco and no more. This keeps the tobacco price high. And the allotment works as a kind of a heritable piece of property. And for decades afterwards, people who aren't even uh, renting land and growing tobacco anymore still own allotments, which they can then rent out to somebody else. And this provides a kind of economic welfare that is very useful in raising those families out of, prop out of poverty. So there are alternatives to the way that AAA worked. But whether intended or not, the way it actually did work was going to cause some dramatic transformations in the South's rural economy, and that in turn would change capitalism in the U.S. Okay, so it's safe to say that the AAA did not work to stimulate demand in the way that policymakers had hoped. It's simply the case that not much of the money uh, that is spent in that crop price support program ends up in the hands of those who need it the most, particularly tenants and sharecroppers and rural wage workers. And in fact, it enables landowners, of course, to completely disrupt the lives of those people. But on the other hand, uh, it does start a process of internal migration, which sends many of those people first to other places in the South in a lot of cases uh, to try to find work near family and so on and so forth, but ultimately out of the South, following the paths that are blazed from some of the earliest, most long-distance migrating refugees from the Depression's economic upheavals, uh, the, the, uh, the Jode family of the Steinbeck novel, for instance. In World War II, once jobs start to appear outside of the South, and in fact in southern cities, that trickle would become a flood. And millions of people who had been barely surviving in the South's rural economy would end up in far-flung corners of the country, and they would transform both the regions that they came to and the regions they left behind in the course of that migration. For more information, go to edX.org and look for American Capitalism, A History, with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist, or go to facebook.com slash American Capitalism MOOC. This podcast has been brought to you by Cornell X from Cornell University. Thank you.